Hi, welcome back to episode two of Tradish with Mary Rook. So lately I have been thinking a lot about trying to find someone in mainstream culture or politics that can really be a role model for my daughters and when they can look up to, aspire to, kind of look at their life and see how they're living it and prove my point that living a traditional life is, um, you know, important, good and just. Well, there really hasn't been. I mean, obviously, the most popular music artist of our generation right now is Taylor Swift. She's not married. She doesn't have any children. She has a new boyfriend every, you know, six to nine months. And right now she's dating Travis Kelsey, who is a show for Pfizer. I mean, these are not the people that we want our children looking up to. And it's funny, like I click on X today, you know, obviously formerly known as Twitter. And Representative Nancy Mace from South Carolina is walking through the halls of Congress and she's got a huge A painted on her white tank top that she's wearing underneath her blazer. And someone asks her, so why do you have an A on your shirt? And she's like, oh, it's my scarlet letter. I mean, okay, Nancy, we don't have Hamas murdering Jews in Israel right now. We don't have a completely open border with, you know, just streaming undocumented people across where we have no idea if they're going to come in and create the same type of havoc that's going on in Israel right now. We have rampant inflation. People are struggling to pay their bills, living paycheck to paycheck, and she's still focused on something that she outed herself on months ago. I mean... No one cares about the prayer breakfast anymore, Nancy. How about we do something about the border? How about we try and get someone elected as a House Speaker? How about we stop giving billions to Ukraine? I mean, it's it's just so embarrassing. Can women just get better? Can we just start getting mainstream women for our daughters to be able to look up to and aspire to? It's just something we are lacking completely in this generation. All right, listen. What I need you to do is I need you to go right now and like or subscribe, rate the podcast wherever you're listening to it. It's really important that conservative audiences go and support the voices that are getting their message out. If you agree with me, if you like me, if you think I'm funny, if you enjoy the 30 minutes or so that we talk every week, please go and like this because your support is obviously much appreciated. All right, let's get started. This week, we're going to be talking about a lot of different things. We're going to be talking about marriage and how to keep one active and healthy and loving, even though you're going through different stages of life, what that requires of wives and what that requires of husbands and how the lack of communication can really cause these huge divides where there doesn't need to be. The other thing that we're going to be talking about today is obviously Israel, the sadness that's going on over there, but how that connects to our southern border and what we need to do to stop this tragedy from happening here. We will also be talking about Assembly Bill 665 out of California that Governor Newsom just signed into law. It allows children 12 years of age and older to consent to mental health treatment or to be put into like a resident shelter. So without the parents even knowing the kids are just ripped out. So we have a lot to talk about today. Thanks so much for coming back. Buckle up, because here we go. 
Okay, we're going to start off talking about Gavin Newsom because it's absolutely terrifying to think about this guy being the governor of California and then transitioning into being the president of the United States. There's a lot of rumors that he's going to run. We have some analysis on the Patriots side of the um, Daily Caller website. You should go check it out. There's a lot of evidence to point that he could be the Democratic nominee. Biden is clearly not fit and probably will not make it to the finish line. But the thing that makes Gavin Newsom so terrifying is that he will 100% go along with these super far left progressive ideas. The latest thing that he signed into law is Assembly Bill 665. Now, the reason why this is such a serious issue is because it completely strips parental rights. I mean, to pretend like you have any authority over your children in California is a laughable assumption. At this point, your child can go to school for any reason, tell the guidance counselor, their teacher, whoever, someone working at the school and letting them know that they don't want to go home anymore. So say you have a very emotional teenager and you got in a fight about something going on in their life. They decided to lash out on you and tell the school that they don't want to go home because you're not affirming their gender. You're not affirming their sexuality. Bam. There is absolutely no notice They are taken out of the home and they are put in the shelter. If you have ever read about what happens to these children in these shelters, it is not a safe place for them to be. And the parents have no idea. Instead, they'll have to go to court and fight for them back. The bill now allows California children as young as 12 to decide and consent to medical treatment. That includes transgender treatment. So irreversible medical treatment for these children, they can decide to take it on themselves. They're saying that they're classifying LGBTQ youth as like a group that is at high risk for suffering from depression and anxiety if a parent does not consent to these types of treatments. And so this says that the mental health treatment identified in the legislation can be administered by a number of individuals, including a governmental agency or a credentialed school psychologist, according to the bill text. So Newsom tried to soften the blow by claiming that this was just an, you know, a way to eliminate the eligibility disparity because children that have access to private health insurance already have the ability to consent to these treatments on their own. But children that use the Medi-Cal, the state health coverage, don't have that ability. So this is just allowing this to happen. But no one is talking about the fact that children as young as 12 can sign up for puberty blockers. They can sign up for antidepressants. They can sign up for anxiety medication. We do not talk enough about what these type of antidepressants do to sexual function, especially for growing children. I mean, we have unveiled the truth about puberty blockers. So even if we don't even go to the darkest areas of their lives, even if we do not go to genital mutilation, even if we do not go to 16-year-olds getting their breasts cut off, even if we don't go that far, even if we do not go that dark to all the way to the, the deepest parts of this depravity, if we're just talking about kids being able to sign or consent their life away to an antidepressant, we would be remiss not to talk about the sexual dysfunction that happens to people that take selective serotonin reputake inhibitors. These SSRIs are absolutely 
hurting genital sensory. It's not something that is beautiful or easy to talk about, but it is important when we want to encourage people to get married and make long-lasting connections. If you are stripped of this, that makes that harder, and it, it may have, you have a burden in your life. According to a study that came out in 2020, they found that close to 100% of takers of SSRIs have a degree of genital sensory change within 30 minutes of taking it. This is a reputable study published in the National Library of Medicine, and it said that although the effects of SSRIs tend to feel like rubbing lidocaine and very much is numb there, they subside after the treatment stops. But a 2016 report found that some people who take these SSRIs are actually doomed to feel this genital numbing and pleasureless. So you're not going to climax, you're not going to be able to reach an orgasm. It completely stops all of the ability to do that for decades afterwards. Some never get it back. It's an unbelievable reality that we are allowing 12 year olds to assume this risk. They have no idea where they want to be in life. At 12 years old, you could not fathom being a mother. At 12 years old, you could not fathom what it takes and the pleasure behind it and the love behind being in a marriage. Signing your life away means nothing at 12. Twitter account at PSSD underscore awareness tweeted the other day, destroying the sexual function of other people's children is never acceptable. Child psychiatry has betrayed the trust of patients and their parents, shown a reckless disregard for safety of treatments, and impeded the normal development of far too many children. This is the reality of what parents are living in in California, and the scary thought is, is that Gavin Newsom could be the backup dancer to Biden. He could be the one coming in. This could not just be California's problem. This could be making its way into Tennessee. This could be making its way into Texas. You are not safe as long as these people continue to make it national. Don't you get it? Like parents' rights have to be protected. October 2nd, former MLB pitcher Trevor Bauer dropped an absolute bombshell on the world when he released text messages that appeared to show that he never actually raped accuser Lindsay Hill. Not only was their sexual relationship appeared to be consensual, but it was likely predatory on the part of Hill. In a video he posted to Twitter, Bauer claims that Hill sent text messages to her friends devising a plan to take advantage of the former LA Dodger. Hill said things like that Bauer's net worth was $51 million and that she was going to need daddy to choke me out, being an absolute whore to try and get in on his $51 million. I mean, the messages between her and her friends were just appalling and then he released another 27 minute video of her pretty much trying to get him to admit that he slapped her without her knowledge I'm guessing to try and help her case but what no one is really talking about is the fact that Bauer could have avoided all of this. None of this had to happen to him if he was living a virtuous life. I mean, obviously, this was really evil, and this is not victim shaming. I'm not trying to make it to be like, oh, it's all his fault that this happened because it's not the case. She absolutely deserves to go to jail. If she planned this out and she used him to be able to get money from him without actually being a victim of him in any way, she absolutely deserves to go to jail. This is evil. Evil women deserve that. But if you are going to search out evil women, you cannot be shocked when their behavior affects you negatively. 
I mean, he's setting himself up for failure by living up to every stereotype for a professional athlete. He made himself an easy mark by allowing his selfish desires to cloud his better judgment. It's like if a woman decided to go to a country that was known for arresting women and putting them in jail and then sitting in jail being shocked that she was arrested in this country. Men cannot go after manipulative women if they do not want to be the victim of their manipulation. Living in the aftermath of the Me Too movement is really surreal because men can't come back from the stain of a rape allegation. They have to sit there and be silent and wait and hope that there is undeniable proof of their innocence to come out because if not, then they never get to walk away from it. They are guilty without mercy or consideration. Although men should not be in fear of losing their lives to false allegations, it's really reckless to live like consequence-free sex is a real thing. Evil women are going to use your weakness for cheap sex against you. This is not a novel or new idea. This is something that men have known for centuries, but for whatever reason, these modern athletes think that it's not going to happen to them. They can have hundreds of thousands of sexual partners, and they are not going to live the consequence of it. Complain about it. Think it's morally reprehensible, but do not for a second become complacent and think that you are going to be the one that's going to be able to outlive this. To put it plainly, men, please avoid women who believe their sexuality is all they have to offer the world. These women are willing to lie and cheat to fill the emptiness they feel selling themselves for clout. Of course, they're going to pretend like it's empowering to use men. They act like this is their last chance as an independent woman to enact some revenge against the predatory man of their past. But you can see the pain of being their own pimp and how it affects their ability to see human dignity in others. They walk around broken and it's obvious these women are not loyal. They're not looking to build a legacy. So I ask these men, what's the point of risking your future on anything less than a woman looking for future to herself. It cost Bauer millions of dollars in lost contracts and legal fees to prove his innocence. He was forced to leave his MLB career to go play in Japan. Yes, Japan has a great and vibrant fan base, but nothing compares to the prestige of playing in the MLB. And yet all of it could have been avoided. Had Bauer been looking for a wife instead of a one-night stand? Again, this is not victim shaming, but it is reality checking. We have to be telling our men to stop chasing these women who are not looking to build a life with them. A good wife will be loyal and loving. She will comfort and take care of her husband even when the world abandons him and calls him a rapist or a racist. She will be there to protect him, to guide him. It will always be fun for these men to be hanging out with a party girl, but kingdoms are not built on infertile ground. And what do you think that you're looking or chasing after when you're looking for a woman who's only interested in a one-night stand? A woman who knows her value is not going to come over to your house for an instant fleeting connection of sex. A woman of value is going to say no to those kinds of interactions, obviously. Bauer's ordeal should be a cautionary tale to all young men. If you are going to waste your passion on immoral women, do not be shocked when evil things happen to you. Andrew Clavin, one of the hosts for Daily Wire, actually had a really good tweet about this. He said, you can't treat bodies as sex toys and then complain when you wake up in bed with an abusive pimp or a crazy whore. Pimps and whores are vicious people. What do you expect? And unfortunately, Bauer learned this the hard way. On the subject of marriage, I wanted to talk about this Reddit post that went viral last week. 
about a woman who lost weight. She says, I am a 35 female and disgusted by my husband, 37 male. To keep it short, we have three kids. The youngest is six months. I was slightly overweight when my husband and I met when I was 26 and have steadily gained a few pounds every year since then. My husband is the same, slightly overweight and has steadily gained. Over the last several months, I've been trying really hard to lose weight and get healthy. I am now below what I weighed when I met my husband and look pretty good. Ever since this change, my husband seems happier. We have more sex and is generally nicer and more romantic to me. This makes me literally hate him. I can't stand being around him and try so hard to pretend like everything is okay. He says nice things to me or does nice things and I have to leave the room to go cry. All of this is because I've lost weight and I'm so, so devastated that he's treating me so differently. I feel like he never really loved me. My feelings for him have been the same no matter what his weight was. I don't know. I just don't know how to get over this or if I ever even can. Now... I have had four children, so the fluctuation of the weight is obviously very personal to women who have had children. I was one of those women who was very, very thin when I got pregnant with our first daughter. I was pretty thin whenever I delivered her, but then from that moment on, I couldn't do anything about losing the weight. Kind of no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't lose it. It just stuck onto me like glue. I went from breastfeeding to getting pregnant again to breastfeeding to getting pregnant again four times until my body eventually just said, you can't have any more children. As soon as I was unable to have children anymore, I started losing the weight. It was unbelievable. All those times trying to fast and work out and try these different diets, nothing worked. But now all of a sudden I was losing this weight and I noticed that my husband was being more romantic with me. I could have taken that as a way of he didn't love me before or he didn't find me attractive before, but that's not really what the case was. People forget that whenever you're in the throes of pregnancy and toddlers and newborn babies, I like to call it the fog of war. Everything feels heightened and your emotions are running crazy and you want to be supported and loved as a mother going through all these different changes with hormones in your body and all these new things that you're able to do. You forget that your husband is not going through any of these changes. He doesn't see anything that's happening to you because it's not happening to him. We have a hard time understanding this because we run by emotions. A lot of people like to make fun of our emotionality or our ability to be emotional, but it's our greatest gift that God has given us. We get to be the nurturers. We get to be the healers of our family and we get to sit back and see when people are hurting and see when people need something and we get to help them with that. That's not the role our husbands play. We expect them to. We expect them to see us hurting and to come to our aid and to do all of those things, but sometimes they need a little bit more help. It shouldn't be shocking to you that whenever you lose the weight that your husband is going, going to be more physically attractive. When you dress up and when you put makeup on, he also notices you a little bit more too. That's not a bad thing. That's not to say that when you don't have makeup on, he doesn't love you anymore. It's the same idea as if he puts a suit on or if all of a sudden he's wearing the new shirt you bought him or if he cuts his hair the way you like it or whatever it is that, that makes you attracted to your husband whenever he is exhibiting those behaviors, you are obviously going to be more affectionate to him. I think that women these days have a tendency to fall into these selfish patterns about what is happening to me versus looking on the outside and seeing, is this happening to our family? And how how do I help my husband understand what I need from him? I have noticed in my own marriage, anytime there is an opportunity for resentment, there is an opportunity for communication. I could walk around upset all day long and my husband would know I was upset but have no 
idea why. If I go and have a discussion with him and explain to him why I'm upset, there's a path moving forward. Without the discussion, there's no way for him to come over to my side and understand where I'm coming from. All she needs and wants is for her husband to walk into that room and say, I've loved you every minute of our marriage. I've loved you at every weight you've been at. I find you extremely sexually attractive right now. I love the way you look, but I've always loved the way you look. That's all she needs to hear. Women want to feel loved and secure. It's not rocket science. We don't really make ourselves super complicated. I know that our emotions can get the best of us. We can say one thing, mean another, and all of those things, all the parodies and the jokes that go along with women's emotions. But at the base of it, the reality is a secure and confident woman does not lash out. A secure and confident woman does not say, I don't know how I'm ever going to get over this. Because she knows inherently that her husband enjoys her, loves her, takes pleasure in being in her company, takes pleasure in securing their life together, takes pleasure in loving her. It's not just the woman's responsibility for communication to happen. Men are not dumb. Just because we hold the spot and in, in the family dynamic to be the emotional caregiver does not mean that men are incapable of emotion and incapable of seeing when women are struggling. Husbands have a responsibility of paying attention to when their wife is struggling. If they see her struggling, then they should be doing whatever it takes to make her feel loved and secure and affirmed. Because if not, then your wife writes things on the internet like she doesn't think she can never forgive you or you get things like the divorce announcement between Game of Thrones star Sophie Turner and Jonah's brother Joe Jonas. You have these two very beautiful, very successful people that have two young children and now they're in the middle of a crazy divorce and they reached a temporary custody agreement for their daughters, but it's an absolutely insane. This schedule is crazy. So they have two daughters a 15-month-old and a three-year-old, and they are going to be splitting up essentially every couple of weeks. So the first set of time is going to be spent with Sophia Turner, and the girls will be able to be with her from October 9th through the 21st. But then on the 21st, the children's nanny will then have to take the girls to Joe Jonas. At that point, Joe Jonas is going to have them from the 21st until November 2nd. Then the nanny will take the kids from Joe and give them back to Sophie on November 2nd, and she will have them until November 22nd. Then Joe is going to have them from November 22nd to December 16th, and then Sophie will have them from December 16th to January 7th. So in the span of less than a year, Joe Jonas went from having one of the most beautiful wives on the planet to having two beautiful daughters and an intact family at home to his entire family falling apart. Now, some reports are saying that Sophie Turner wanted to party it up and live her last days out as like a fun 20-year-old because she's 27 now. But other reports are saying that she's a homebody and that's not really her style. So who knows really what is at play here? Outside of physical abuse, these two should be working it out. These two should be on an island somewhere. These two should be reconnecting and figuring out what made them fall in love with each other in the beginning. And it is Joe's responsibility to take his wife back into the fold as much as it is this man whose wife wrote about him on Reddit and to love her and say, listen, this is our family. We're not breaking it up. We're going to stick this out to the end. I love you. You're the one. You and I against the world, baby. That's how it, that's what it takes to survive in this type of culture. A strong husband does not let his wife ruin their family. He takes his wife and he loves her 
and he shows her the life he's going to build for her and he inspires her to support him and their family and love and nurture what they are building together. The Black Lives Matter organization is responsible for billions of dollars in destruction and many, many lives. Over the last several years, it has taken this country and held it by its neck and demanded that it lived within its social hierarchy. But people are starting to figure out that Black Lives Matter stands with terrorist organizations that are okay with brutally murdering innocent lives. It's not enough to be able to secure what their wants and wish lists are. They want to do it in a destructive and destroying way. The official Chicago chapter of Black Lives Matter released a graphic of a Hamas paraglider with the text, I stand with Palestine. The paraglider was representative of one of the Hamas militants who flew into Israel on the southern border and attacked the festival and killed hundreds of innocent people just there for a peaceful time. An absolute insane response to this level of murder and mayhem. BLM Los Angeles released a statement that said, We too understand what it means to be surveilled, dehumanized, property seized, families separated, our people criminalized and slaughtered with impunity, locked up in droves, and when we resist, they call us terrorists. We too dream of a world where our people may live freely on decolonized lands. May the borders, checkpoints, prisons, police, and watch lists that terrorize our communities crumble, and may the world we build from their ashes honor those who have fallen in this struggle. They aren't hiding who they are. They see themselves aligned with a terrorist organization willing to murder innocent lives to fulfill whatever need or want that they see is necessary at the time. Human dignity is lost on people like this. One user on Instagram saw BLM's response and said, wow, I've supported this movement from the beginning. Phone calls, emails, money. Wow, wow. Barbaric murders, women, children, raped and paraded, named. Infants taken from parents, elderly murdered live on Facebook, raped and beaten women being sat on and spat on. That's justified? I'm for human life, whatever you are. Blown away. Another person said, As someone who has followed and supported this account for a long time, I find this post to be incredibly miseducated. I do not condone the way the Palestinian people are treated, but this is not their fight. This is an act of aggression by an anti-Semitic terrorist organization, Hamas, that pre-exists the current conflict between Israel and Palestine. You can stand up against terrorists and still support a peaceful solution to the conflict in Gaza. Your explanation of what is currently happening is incredibly off-base and, quite frankly, offensive. These people are just now realizing that Black Lives Matter doesn't actually want peace and harmony between people. They want what they see as justice and revenge. They don't care how many innocent lives it takes to get it. They're willing to fight for it. It should be terrifying to parents to know that BLM has curriculum in our public school system. Your children are learning from the same people that would identify with terrorists. Your children are being taught about race relations from the same organization that is praising the murder of innocent people. That's how we wake up to have Harvard students signing letters in solidarity with Palestine and university professors from all around the country standing in solidarity with Hamas. And the New York Times changing its reporting from saying Hamas terrorist to a Hamas gunman. For our Jewish Americans, it must be hard to watch our major institutions clean the evil that is going on in Israel right now. Shame on us if we allow it to continue. 
As the death toll rises in Israel from the terrorist attack from Hamas, you begin to wonder at what point is this going to happen in America? It has been unbelievably disturbing to see the footage coming out of Israel of the children being slaughtered, the grandparents being slaughtered, of the festival goers trying to escape and Hamas murdering groups of them at a time. It is not an easy sight to see this much carnage. And it's not hard to see all of these events taking place, to see the destruction, to see the devastation that these families are experiencing and that they're going through as they see the videos of their loved ones being dismembered and being hurt in this way. It's not hard to see that and go, okay, when is this happening in America next? We should not be so naive to think that these people, Iran, who is taking credit for funding Hamas and the attack on Israel, it's not hard to see their hatred for Israel and their hatred for America and what they would do to us. So CBP data just obtained by Fox showed that since October 21, Border Patrol have encountered over 6,000 nationals from Afghanistan, 659 from Iran, 538 from Syria, over 13,000 from Uzbekistan, and over 1,600 from Pakistan. Are we to believe that all of those are supposed to be peaceful, freedom-loving people? Even if 1% of those people that have crossed the border from those countries are wishing harm on Americans, it brings death and destruction to us. The fact that our southern border is wide open is a travesty, and it is something that we have to address immediately. Daily Caller News Foundation reporter Ginny Tayer spoke to an Israeli Defense Force spokesperson on Monday who said that terrorists infiltrated Israel through Lebanon. These aren't homegrown acts of murder. These are people that infiltrated into a country illegally in order to enact harm and destruction on the people that live there. She's also reported extensively about what is going on on our southern border in America and the devastation that is caused by illegal immigrants. I mean, just October 4th, she reported that an 11-year-old girl was the victim of a severe sexual assault. She went to the emergency room and was checked out. They found severe injuries on her. She said that a woman who she called her auntie took her to a house, forced her into a car. When they went to the house, several men tied her up and raped her. At least two other girls were reportedly tied up in the home, one of whom helped the 11-year-old victim escape, is what the, the report stated. Apparently, there were 11 illegal immigrants found by Border Patrol when they went into the house. So 11 men were able to take and abuse this little girl. Jeannie reported there have been over 1.8 million migrant encounters since October 2022. This is an unfathomable amount of people. And this doesn't even count the ones that have not been caught. We have no idea the actual number of men that have crossed our border and what they are planning to do in our country. And we're just sitting back pretending like this shouldn't be a fear that we have. Illegal immigrants are setting up entire cities within Republican states. There is a massive land development in Texas called Colony Ridge. They estimate somewhere between 50 to 70,000 people live in this. The Daily Wire went and did a really great investigative piece on this. This land developer has created a way in which illegal immigrants have a path to own a home. The current offer is two adjacent plots of land for $65,000 a piece, and the buyer is responsible for constructing a place to live on top of that. That's an unbelievable price in this market, especially in Texas. Buying two adjacent plots of land for $65,000 would give any millennial family a huge 
leg up and being able to get on the property ladder. And yet they're allowed to give illegal immigrants this in Texas, in one of the most Republican states in the country, supposedly. Somehow this went by. There's an independent journalist who has flown over Colony Ridge several times who said, I don't know how many people live there now, but it's going to be big enough for 200,000 people. They're actually building a city, he said. Another national security immigration specialist told the Daily Wire that these types of homes are specifically constructed for illegal immigrants. There's very, very little police presence in there. They're going to come in here to work and live illegally. So of course, they would want a place where everybody's kind of the same and similar and like-minded. Imagine that they're allowed to have that, and yet America is not. It's a crazy world that we live in that there are people excusing what's going on with the southern border while cheering on Israel for securing its own. We should be able to have sovereignty in our borders. We should be able to feel safe and secure in our neighborhoods. And frankly, that is not what our government is providing for us right now. When you see these videos of hordes of people coming across the border and you're looking at them, and it is not women and children, it is not people fleeing poverty, they are military-aged men. It's hard not to look at that and fear for what's to come. All right. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. All the show's notes can be found below. I'd love to hear from y'all. So please leave a comment while you're there. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you find us and check out my daily column at thedailycaller.com. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of Tradish with Mary Rook. You can find me on Twitter at Mary Rook underscore. That's at M-A-R-Y-R-O-O-K-E underscore. See y'all next week.